Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. Visit westernsouthern.com. All right, rock and roll. Welcome into another edition of the Jim Day podcast. And we're going to go back in time, a little bit in time here. And uh, this guy hails from Dublin, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus, which is, by the way, God's country. I'm just going to throw it out there. 18 years in the big leagues, former red as well. World Series champion, got some no-hitters on the docket as well. Welcome in Kent Merker. How you doing, Merck? I'm doing awesome, JD. Uh, actually, good to hear your voice. Uh, where you're not doing a post game ragging on the way I just got done pitching that game. So <laughs> it's actually good to have a conversation where we can just be buddies. Yeah, absolutely. That was a problem. <laughs> no critique here. Yeah, uh, you were a reliever with uh, the Reds, so um, unless you're like closing down games one of the byproducts was if we would talk to relievers after the game, it's normally when you gave it up, which stinks. So you're right. Yeah, we're, we're field goal kickers. <laughs> yes. if, the, if the field goal kicker makes the, the walk off 50 yard. Yeah. You don't talk to him. That's his job. If he misses it, then it's front page news. I get it. Right. No, I, I made it a point actually, as the career went on to like, you know what? I need to talk to these relievers when they do well, because they're going to hate me. Otherwise, so I try to talk to them when they do well as well. So anyways, I got a lot to talk to you about. I mean, we're going to talk about uh, your no hitters and uh, the Braves and the Reds and former teammates, et cetera. But let's start in present day right now. You are right. in the agent business, right? Working with yes. Casey Close. Yep. I'm on the dark side, as they call it. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? I had Casey. Casey was my agent my entire big league career. And, you know, when I retired about two or three years into retirement, he called me and just said, hey, I don't know what you want to do, if you're happy doing what you're doing. But if you want to be part of this business on this side, I, I think you'd be awesome. So I jumped right in. And uh, Jim, what 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 all players will tell you, no matter how much money they made or didn't make, once you're done playing, you're going to miss this game forever. Like 
Yeah. The, the big league life is the best life. It's the best job on the planet. And all of a sudden it's taken away from you. Right. And you realize you're human. You're not Superman. And what do you want to do? Well, I wanted to stay involved with the game and this gives me the perfect opportunity to still be involved, still feel like I'm playing when I'm talking to these young kids that I'm recruiting and working with, uh, passing on my experiences, what to do, what not to do, you know, basically faced everything they're getting ready to face. I've already been through it. So, yeah. and I don't have to travel six months. I can still be at home, spend time with my family. Uh, so it's just, it's been outstanding and, uh, glad I'm getting to do this. Awesome. Casey Close, another Columbus guy, a couple years older than me. He, Casey Close would never remember this, but I was two years younger and I can't even remember where it was. It was some type of like practice at Worthington high school where he went mm -hmm. and he was throwing and he, they needed some hitters to face him. And again, I'm a couple years younger, but this was the first time that I ever heard the sound of a ball going by me. <laughs> he threw this breaking ball that buckled my knees and I could hear it into the glove. Like, Oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. So he, he was my, my first one where I'm like, um, I might not be that good. Cause he's pretty well in Casey. So Dublin, actually our cities about each other, right? Yeah. We never played in the same league in high school and Casey was four years older than me. So we never got to play with or against each other. But I remember as an eighth grade, ninth grade, you like this young kid reading the Columbus Dispatch back then or this whatever the other paper was. But the Citizen Journal, the Citizen. Journal. How do I remember I was, that? You know, that's a great call. I was going to say that. And I thought nah, they had a morning paper and an afternoon paper. Yep. And I just remember reading about Casey Close, Paul O'Neill, yeah. who played here in Columbus and right. Alan Anderson, who was from. And I just remember going, I want to be these guys one day. Wow. And, and Casey was, I'll tell you what, he, I mean, he was an unbelievable baseball player. Ended up yeah. playing at Michigan with Larkin and Sabo and right. Al Morris. And and one, he, he actually won college player of the year yeah. with those guys on the same team. Like, he was an unbelievable player. And uh, I guess I'm glad I probably didn't get to play against him <laughs> based on that. I don't even think I fouled a ball off. I was like a sophomore. He was a senior. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I fouled one off on the in Yeah, the he was good. Yeah, he was he was, good. What's uh, what's these players are, are a little different nowadays. What's it like uh, dealing being a you know they'll probably call you old man. They call me old man now. Um, yeah, dealing with these guys on a daily basis, and now you're kind of tendering to their needs, I guess. Which well, you remember as a player, you, right? You leaned on your agent. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Like the the game shifted obviously with the analytics and. I fought it for a while, even in this business. Like, I'm an old school guy, and I know people don't like hearing old school terms thrown around and they roll their eyes, but there's definitely a way. There's definitely an old school way, right? Like, right. some part of you has to just go, you know what? I don't want to know the numbers. Like, I, did, I didn't have the opportunity to know what my spin rate was back in 1992 or 95 or 2005. Like, it wasn't part of the game yet. So, I had to rely basically on what either my teammates feedback was like Merck, why would you throw that pitch in that count? That was dumb. Right. Or based on my results, I let the hitter, let me know if it was a good pitch or not a good pitch. Right. So you were kind of out there doing it on your own. And by the way, all, all, all the things we did back in the day, 
they're just now they have a way to quantify it now right they can put right. a term to it which yeah. i think is great and i've now learned the analytic side of baseball because when we talk to gms and scouting directors and and the people i talk to now in my job uh by the way the only time i talk to them gms in the day were when they were releasing me but so now <laughs> i have to talk to them as far as part of my job so i need to be versed and understand what the conversation I'm going to have with these guys. Right. So I've right. learned both. And I think I've, I've, I've done a good job of taking today's terminology, you know, with the vertical break, the horizontal breaks, the X axis, the Y axis, the, all these terms that they use, I've learned them and then learned to realize, okay, so what did that mean in old school uh, language? And I'm like, Oh, so when you're saying this, that just means that. And I'm like, okay. So that. now I can kind of tell the kids, this is what the analytics language is. And this is how it applies in the practicality of it into how I'm going to tell you what it means. Right? Like yep. you got a high spin rate fastball. You know what we used to call that? An exploding fastball. Yeah. It's got, it's got, it's got some life. life, man. Yeah. It's a riser. Right. Yep. And that's a high vertical break. So I've taken the two kind of mashed them together and can speak part of this part of that and just try to convey the message because listen these younger kids especially the high school and college kids they're not they don't really they haven't been around it yet so they don't understand what somebody's telling them but if i can explain it to them when they say this here's what they mean oh okay so they can kind of understand the language and that's what i've tried to do i think i, I think i've been pretty good at it and I think it's easier for, listen, we're, us baseball players are mostly dumb, right? If it, if it took brains, the Ivy League would be the, the best baseball division in all of college baseball, <laughs> and they're not. So there's some element of dumbness that, that actually makes you better. It's just knowing who you are as a pitcher, not someone telling you who you need to be as a pitcher. Well, and, that's, yeah. yeah. That's how I've survived so in broadcasting. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a dummy. You do dumb, dumb doesn't slump, right? (laughs) You can't overthink. If you were, if I was smart, I would have won eight games in baseball, in major league baseball and made it a year and a half. (laughs) But I was dumb enough. I was dumb enough to just say, you know what? I'll figure it out. All right. Hold on a second. I I know, I know exactly what you're talking about being dumb and like maybe even, you know, just pushing things out of your brain and not overanalyzing it. But dude, you were one of the most smart. You're you may be the smartest baseball player I've ever covered, and I'm not kidding you. I'm not blowing smoke here. I've never seen anyone roll through crossword puzzles like you. And I know that's well, not I'm, the end all, but you know, got to have some I smarts to do smartest. the the New York Times crossword puzzle and do it in like ten minutes. I'm definitely the smartest left-handed pitcher from Dublin, Ohio, that you've ever been around in your life. <laughs> for for sure. No, seriously, you're no question. You're one of the smartest dudes I've ever been around. So, well, I appreciate that. But you know what, Jim? Part of being smart it, it, it means not overthinking things, right? Like right, you got to right. be smart enough yes. when you're pitching that day that catcher calls slider, shake him off. He throws slider again, and I'm like, no, okay, <laughs> fastball. Like I didn't feel like throwing a slider. You've got to be smart enough. Even though the analytics today tell you the right pitch is to throw Barry Bonds a slider in a one-two count. 
I get that. But do I feel comfortable throwing it that particular day? Maybe I didn't have a good slider that day. Right. So I was smart enough, at least, to say, no, I'm going to throw what I feel the best, what I'm convicted to throw right here. Forget what the analytics say. Forget what the numbers say. I know it. Everyone in the park knows it, but I don't feel like throwing the right pitch. I feel like throwing the right pitch with a good attitude or the wrong pitch with a good attitude. With conviction. With conviction. And that is a better pitch than yeah. the right pitch with no conviction. Couldn't agree with you more. And, and, and I think that's getting into the game today where they're over, they're looking at the perfect pitch in the perfect spot. Nobody in MLB baseball is perfect. Yeah. Nobody. You just got to go with what you brought that day and hope it works out. Right. Yep, no doubt. And go to bed that night. If it worked, great. If it didn't, at least you put your head on your pillow that night going, at least I went down the way I wanted to go down. Yeah. And by the way, I had put my head on the pillow way too many times and I wanted to saying that that exact thing right there. <laughs> that it didn't go the way I wanted it to go down. But guess what? I'm left-handed. I got a heartbeat. Somebody's going to call me for a job next year. So I'll just <laughs> go with that. Nine teams <laughs> called you. <laughs> That's right. Couple on different occasions. So that's right. What are you not? Eighteen years? Mercy. Um, yeah. yeah. No, you were doing you were doing something right. Now we're going to talk about your Braves days, the World Series, no hitters, the Reds, teammates, etc. But I cannot glance over this, dude. You're like a, a pickleball player, like an exceptional yep. one, right? Did you turn in your golf clubs for this? Did I hear this? Three years ago. What? Jim. You played in a member. Hold on a a member. This is this is breaking yeah. news. <laughs> because you golfed every day, didn't you? Uh, uh, every day, especially in retirement. And I was working on getting my game really good. And uh, was starting to play pretty good. I got down below scratch where I was like a plus not point nine index, and I was what? loving it. You were scratch. Oh, I got but, better. I actually oh. got to a yeah. And, 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 and this is at Muirfield. This is not like some Muni course. Yeah. This yep. is at Muirfield Village Country Club. Yeah. And I just, uh, I was getting burnt out. And the last round I played was in our member guest or our member member. And it took like five hours and 40 minutes. And I'm just like, what? Oh, what is are. going on? And it, it was almost coincidental, but a buddy of mine called me like two days later he goes hey what are you doing tomorrow i go nothing because i told myself i'm taking like two weeks off from golf just to and he goes come over to my house i got a pickleball court we're gonna play pickleball and i'm like play what i've never even heard of this game i was 50 51 at the time i'm like i don't know what pickleball is i didn't either i didn't either i, I mean literally it isn't that amazing that yeah. you live as long as we've lived and you didn't, yeah, because not that we didn't play it, but I haven't even heard of it. It's been around for decades. It's since the mid sixties. Yeah. And yeah. so I went over, I didn't play tennis growing up. I, I played a little racquetball, but only in the off season, a couple of years to keep in shape. So a little ping pong, but so I go over, I start playing this game. I immediately got addicted, like literally. And I said, I didn't miss golf because I was playing pickleball, trying to get really good. And I'm playing against guys that are 68 years old that have two knee braces on and I'm getting beat 11, three. And I'm like, Whoa, no, this isn't sitting right. So I'm like, I'm going to get better. at pickleball. <laughs> So the last, and that sounds so weird in so many ways, 
No, man. But you I, get dusted by someone that's older and, you know, yeah. knee so braces. I, I, got, I can see the yeah. visual. So, but I just got and said, I want to get better yesterday. I want to be, it couldn't have happened quick enough for me to get better. So I kept playing, 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 playing. And there's a really, there's a lot of good players in central Ohio. So I, yeah, I heard it's, it's getting a little better up there. I haven't, I haven't... It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And so I started getting better, started playing, thinking I'm getting good and then play against three really good players. And I was right back to reality. And I'm like, but I've been consistently working on it. Played in the U.S. Open this year down yeah, in Naples. The, you, I got you went to the what's it called the Mento U.S. Open Pickleball Championship. This is a real yep. event, folks, and it's a big event. Like tens of thousands oh, of people it, are there, right? Yeah, it's the Super Bowl of pickleball. If and that sounds weird too, but it's the <laughs> Super Bowl of pickleball. <laughs> I, and there's two stories about how the, it got its name. One was it was derived from a, a boat, the, the crew team like a, a D1 college crew team. And if you weren't good enough and did the club, they called it a pickle boat. And then the other one was that this guy's that invented its dog's name was pickle. And <laughs> he would, he would hit it in the net and his dog would run out and he'd go, go get a pickle and he'd get it and bring it over to him. So, because and I don't know what the true pickle. story, huh, but either way, it's a silly name. Well, for those, you try to, yeah, real quick, yeah. for those that don't know, it's 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 like tennis, but it's on a smaller court, and it's not. It's kind of paddles, right? And it's a plastic like wiffle ball. Yep. So, but it's the concept of tennis, and it's usually yep. doubles, right? Yep, and it's you can play singles. It's, yeah. it's it's basically Jim. The way I would explain it, it's it's tennis and ping pong combined ah that's a good yeah that's a good way to put it and, and you use the paddle is by the way i called it racket when i first started playing and all the pickleball players oh no it's, it's a, a paddle. paddle oh they corrected me every time <laughs> which is why i still call it a racket today because i just want to piss them off but that <laughs> sounds so like merc yes yeah but it's, it's 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 the size of basically a racquetball racket but it's made of like carbon fiber they make wood ones but it's more a carbon fiber so it's a solid paddle there's no strings and the ball, it's a perforated with the holes in it. It's a wiffle ball. Wow. And it sounds, it just sounds, it sounds dumb until you go play it. And I've had former players, Steve Avery, Gary Bennett, Smolty, those guys, that, and they're like, what, what are you talking about? And they started playing it and they're like, oh my gosh, this, this is unbelievable, this game. And so, yeah, that's what I do now. Wow. How'd you I do in the... I Sorry, uh, go ahead. In the U.S. Open? Yeah. Uh, not well. Uh, Had to be some serious partner, players there, man. Well, there were, but my part. So, anyway, MLB found out about this, that I was playing pickleball in the U.S. Open. So, they called me, and I did a – they wanted me to come on MLB Network and do a thing. So, I went on there did that. My partner, God love him, he lives here in Columbus. He, he was like, what, you're going on MLB Network to talk about us? I'm like, yeah. And then the Pickleball channel found out about it. So they did a thing on me. Oh, no. So he, I could just see his his going, wait, wait, what? What? Let's just, I wanted to hide down here. Did the, like, moment, the moment get I, too big for him? Well, I, I don't know. But <laughs> so we're waiting to play our first ever match in Naples, Florida. 1,200 competitors. 60 courts and they have one main center court that's covered and it seats about 300 people. We get called for our first match on center court. 
And I am fired up. I'm like, oh, my God, we get to play center court. My partner's like, what? We're playing on center court? Like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, let's go. And he's like, anyway, it's, it's, it was a great experience. We didn't do very well in that one. But I've played a few other tournaments and done okay. So, But it's, you know what, Jim? It's something to do. Yeah. Because someone asked me why I like it. I said, one, it was all new to me to learn how to play it. But two, I can't compete at the highest level anymore, right? Like, I can't play baseball anymore. And and, and you miss that competitive opportunity. Yeah, you can't replace yeah, it. Yeah. No, I can go play golf on a Friday afternoon with my buddies, and maybe I win $30, maybe I lose 30 It's still not the same. Now, I'm playing in these tournaments where they count. You get rated, you get this you get invited back like it's of course it's not major league baseball but it's still something that gets my juices going and being like all right this is worth putting the work in and and seeing how good i can get at this yeah i, I just can't believe you put away your golf clubs i i'm shocked at i this. know i know wow i can't either and, and, and what's weird is i don't miss it wow well, i know i guess you burned yourself out on it we, once I you did. got to beyond scratch, what what are you gonna do? <laughs> you got there. Get to like, get to like plus three. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, but... wow. Well, listen. Speaking of Muirfield, uh, are you you still living in Muirfield Village, or are you elsewhere now? I am. Behind? Nope. I'm I'm still in Muirfield. All right. Now, how close did you used to live, or may still live, to Nicholas's house, Jack Nicholas? Was it right next door? Or was it close? I was I was his next door neighbor. <laughs> uh, hold on, I, I just buried the lead. I should have included that in the intro. Neighbor of Jack Nicholas. By the way, you know you know most people when you say bury the lead, would think it's L E A D, and me and you know it's not. Right. right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, yeah, I lived next door to him, and he was only in town, Jim, probably two weeks a year. Yeah. He would come in for the tournament, obviously, the Memorial, and then he would come in for a couple home games, homecoming at Ohio State, and a couple other games. So I, I didn't see him much, but yeah, he was my next-door neighbor. Wow. And was really excited when we told him we were moving. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Were you a bad neighbor? Dude, dude, dude you know a funny story? I, I, real quick please so, lay it on when when we knew we were putting our house up on the on the market eric clapton used to live here in columbus yeah he married a girl that went to ohio state so right i've got a story about that too but probably they not as wanted good to as come, the one you got oh it can't be and no offense yeah. but no it can't be. no no but, there's no but, way so so our realtor i was still playing and i was with the reds because i remember i was golfing with david weathers out at, in la we were playing uh i forget where we were playing but so my realtor calls me and she says, hey, Eric Clapton wants to come look at your house. I said, really? And then she's like, yeah. So they come look at it. She calls me later in the afternoon and there was there was a lot, probably a half acre lot between my house and Jack's house. Mr. Nicholas, I should say. I shouldn't call him Jack. but And the Claptons were interested in if they could buy that lot or part of that lot because they wanted to do a swimming pool and whatever and it could have been a deal breaker for the sale of the house and i'm like well i'll find out so I, i'm like i gotta call jack nicholas it's his land he owns it i gotta i gotta call him and ask him if he's willing to sell it long i'll make i'll shorten this up big time he eventually called me back i called i got his his secretary or whatever and she goes told him who i was and 
he calls me back probably an hour later. So I'm telling him the story. And he goes, well, who is it? And I go, it's, it's Eric Clapton. And there was 10 seconds of silence. And I'm like, <laughs> and I didn't say a word. He goes, judging by your silence, should I know who Eric Clapton is? I go, what? It, like, I, I literally think I went, what? I go, yeah, Mr. Nicholas, no offense. You not knowing Eric Clapton is like him not knowing who you are. You guys are like the same age. <laughs> same and, age and, 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 and same Jim, category. Eric Clapton, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Ever. And, and he's like, no. Nah. And I'm like, okay. I literally went, geez. Uh, I was singing to Jack Nicholas on the telephone to see if he knew it, could pick up. Come on. She's all right. Layla. Like I was singing this stuff and he's like, nope, nope, nope. And he's like, I was an oldies, but goodies guy. I'm like, okay. Uh, I, I get it. And, and he goes, now are my, are my boys going to make fun of me for not knowing who he is? I go, if, they're, if they don't, I'm going to call them and tell them to, because you should know who arguably the best guitar player ever is. Certainly top three. He didn't know who Eric Clapton was. That's unbelievable. He had no, he had no idea. <laughs> so did he, did he get the it, land? Did did he? It, well, they didn't end up buying it. They yeah, they went down by why. the uh, river, side of the river. river. Yeah, yep. he lives on yep. the river. Yeah, they moved down on the river because I found that out because was. I did some creepy Good. research because I I was in a <laughs> I when I was still living in Columbus, I was in a bookstore, and I look across and like. God, that guy looks like Eric Clapton. No way, Eric yeah. Clapton's in Columbus. Certainly not in a yep. bookstore in Columbus. I move a little closer. I'm like, that is Eric Clapton. Yeah. And I'm like, Ooh. you know, I didn't, I didn't go fanboy on him. I didn't go up, hey, hey, Mr. Clapton, I just want to shake your hand. Blah, 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 blah. Big fan. I didn't do any of that. Let him alone. You know, he's in his <laughs> space. I, I get it. I've been around famous people. They don't want to be messed with. So, but I'm like. Why is he in Columbus? And then I found out, like you said, he yeah. married someone from Columbus, lived down yep. there on, down there in a the van by the river. Actually, it was a mansion by the river. Um, so well, I, I would see him. I, I would see him at BW threes. Like I go get carry out for the kids. He's in BW three. No, he'd be sitting up at the bar watching soccer. Oh, or I love whatever. him. I love all, him even more. All by himself, sitting at the bar. I don't know if he was drinking a beer or not, but I'm looking and I remember going in there cause I had to pick the food up. I look over, I'm like, and this is when he had his hair really short. Like, yeah, I won't say shaved, but it was really short. And I immediately went, Oh my God, that's Eric Clapton. There's people standing behind him in front of him to the side of him. They have no idea. I'm like, wow. and, and same thing. I didn't fanboy him. I wanted yeah. to go over and go, Probably would have sang to him, dude. Lo I love Layla, like the <laughs> dumbest thing I could have ever said, dude. I love, I love the Yardbirds and Cream. Like, hey, you remember that time just, you were in Cream? That yeah, was awesome. The time it <laughs> Chris Marley, I love yeah. it. That was awesome. <laughs> but I'm sitting there going, how awesome is that? How cool is that that this guy can come in? I mean, I guess when Jack Nicholas doesn't know who you are, yeah, nobody knows who you are. Right? He, no one was bothering him in the bookstore either. It's like it was amazing. I, like, what's going on here? He was like me. He's the ML. He, he's the singing version of me in MLB baseball. <laughs> I could go anywhere and no one knew who I was, unless it was a family reunion. Well, I would go to family reunions, and ninety percent of the people knew who I was. Uh, you could go to Atlanta; people would notice you, right? <laughs> you, you go to 
Atlanta, people would. It, it, well, it depends if the people are still working in those bars, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of the Braves, we're going to get into that coming up. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out here on the Gym Day podcast. Chris Collinsworth here. My friends at Western and Southern are committed to making Cincinnati the best place to live, work, and celebrate life. That's why we proudly sponsor Ride Cincinnati, the region's premier cycling event dedicated to defeating cancer. Every rider raised dollar goes directly to cancer research and care right here in our community. Join the ride. Change the story. To register, visit RideCincinnati.org. Jim Day here. Nothing goes better with Reds baseball than Swift Meats. Stay! like you agree so let's gather around the grill this season to talk a little baseball and a lot of everything else ask for swift meats at your local grocer good food good moments one great meal come together with swift all right we're back with kent marker and uh we talked about atlanta a, a moment ago um what I got to start, I'm sure you get this question a thousand times, but that rotation in Atlanta, and you're right in amongst them with Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, Avery, you. What was it like, man? It was unbelievable. And, and you know what, Jim? With now having the perspective of seeing John. Smoltzy and Glav and Maddox go to the Hall of Fame. And Ave, by the way, was as good as all of them. He just found the injury bug, and his career was, was unfortunately shortened. But you didn't realize what you were watching when you were there, right? You knew they were really good. And the cool thing about it for me was we kind of had a game within the game, right? Like, it was almost like you didn't want to be that starting pitcher, that embarrassed the rest of the starting pitchers. Right. You know, like Maddox would go out opening day, throw eight innings, shut out, strike out five, and throw 82 pitches, right? Well, Glav would then go out and say, you left me an out. I could go complete game today and top you. And then Glav would go out and go seven or eight. So we kind of just wanted to – you didn't want to be the guy that didn't go out and do his job. So we kind of competed within ourselves. We all played golf together. So we were always competing when we weren't pitching, but it was a healthy competition during the season. And it just motivated the next guy to step up and do just or better. And now looking back, because we were goofy, young, 22, 23, 24 year old kids, right? Like we weren't thinking about, I'm going to be in the hall of fame one day. Nobody, nobody says I'm going to be in the hall of fame one day. You know, they don't think they are. They just go out and do their job every fifth day. And knock on wood, or knock on wood, back then, none of us got hurt. So it was just that continuous cycle of the same guys going out there. Uh, and it, it was just fun. And it was, it was. I learned more watching those guys pitch. And Glav will tell you he learned from Maddox by watching them. Smoltz, he learned from me in some regards. Ave learned from, well, we all learned from each other. And we were all right in that same age group. Our families were friends. Like it was a it was a tight knit 
the whole team for that matter, but specifically within that rotation, it, it was just, and you know, I, I, you know, and I'm being honest, I was the and one, right? It was for and me, which I, I had no problem doing. I was, we were talking before the show. I threw my no hitter. Yeah, please tell, please tell this story. Well, I threw it's my a- no hitter. I was, I was starting. They announced me, Merck, you're coming into camp in 94. You're going to be our fifth starter this year. Like I had spot started a few times when they needed it, but I was a reliever my first three and a half, four years in the big leagues. And they said, you've earned it. We've asked you to do everything you've done and it's your time. So we open up in, in San Diego, four games. It goes Maddox, Glass, Smoltz, Avery. So it's, it's again, it's Maddox, seven inning shutout, Glass, seven shutout, Smoltz, eight, one run, Ave, seven, one run or shutout. So I'm pitching opening night or Friday night. Dodger Stadium, right? At Dodger Stadium, April 8th. I haven't thrown more than 80 pitches in spring training. And I'm like, great. Where's all this leave the guy the out, right? Like you guys all went scoreless. (laughs) And and here I am. I'm like, thanks a lot, guys. Well, that's the (laughs) night I threw my no hitter. That's the night I threw my no hitter. And I'm like, you couldn't make it up, right? You couldn't have. If I wrote a story, I would have given up one hit in my own story because it would have been just too unbelievable. Right. And threw 131 pitches Goodness. right out of the gate. By the way, threw 110 fastballs. 110 <laughs> out of 131 fastballs. Wow. So after the game, everything's going on, and Bobby calls me, and Bobby Cox calls me in his office after all the media left, and he's like, great job, kid, blah, blah, blah. He goes, hey, by the way, we got an off day Monday. I'm like, yeah. He goes, so I'm going to skip you, your next start, so I can keep Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, and Avery on their normal day. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? What do you got to do around here? You throw a no-hitter, and you can't even make your next scheduled start. You've but got, you know what? you got to be the yeah. only one in the history of baseball to throw Ever. a no-hitter and be skipped the next time. Ever. There's, there's no way I'm not. <laughs> There's no way I'm not. And I couldn't even argue with him. Well, I'm better. Uh, no, I'm not. And I was telling you, but, but, but had I had I argued and said, well, no, I'm not. I don't accept that. I'm pitching in five days. He'd be like, you know what, Murky, right? He would have called Bill Acre, our traveling secretary, in, and said, hey, Bill, you need to get Merck a flight down to Richmond, which was our AAA team, because he wants to pitch in five days. <laughs> That's where he's going to pitch. That's exactly what would have happened. Oh, he totally would have done it. <laughs> but instead, I said, I said, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and he, 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 hey, he won fourteen divisions in a row, right? Yeah, what that's do you do? Argue, argue with that guy? Yeah. Like, well, what was it like being? I mean, it, I'd love. You know, I love. I hate, I'm going to use the term old school, but the old school managers. He used to get tossed out of games all the time. I mean, that had to just be entertainment for you guys. Oh, it was unbelievable, and and. That's back before they had mics in the dugout. Right, if you would have right. heard Bobby, some of this Southern lingo he could throw out that I'd never heard, and and all derogatory, and like, <laughs> what? Wait, what did he mean by that? What is that? And then someone from the South goes, "Well, that's what a guy." Does. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, I get it." And umpires didn't like it, but you know what? He had every one of his players' backs. Oh, Everyone yeah. never never buried a player in the media. Uh, was accountable for everything. If I didn't go out there and do my job, he took the blame for it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I put Merck in a bad situation, right. shouldn't have done that. And and 
guys used to mess because we used to chart the day before we pitched. We would sit up in the clubhouse and chart right that night's pitcher. Well, Maddox did a thing to him one time, which was hilarious because I forget. I think it was Glav pitching, and you know, from a dugout, certain balls look like strikes, and you don't get the call. And it was it was definitely Glav pitching, and Bobby screaming and yelling, and he sends uh, uh, Smoltzy or Ave up there. He goes, "Go ask Maddox," because he was charting. He goes, "Go ask Maddox if those are on the plate," and he goes up. And uh, they asked Maddox, and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, it was Glav charting. And Maddox went up, and Glav goes, or he goes, hey, Bobby wants to know if those are strikes. And, and Glav goes, no, they're off the plate. They're balls. He goes, okay. So Maddox goes back down, and Bobby goes, what did he say? He goes, Skip, he said they're right there. That's, this guy's missing everything tonight. <laughs> Just to get <laughs> So Bobby, start, Bobby immediately goes, you're horse ass. You're horrible. You're horrible. Like he starts. Well, within with within a half minute, Bobby gets tossed, and he goes up. And he's like, "Glad I can't." Be. He goes, "I told Mad Dog those were all balls," and he's like, "Oh, that mother, you know, whatever." But <laughs> but Bobby had your back, and it was. And I was so lucky, Jim, to come up when I did yeah. and have him Leo Mazzoni. Yeah, just to have those yeah. guys teach teach me as a as a 21 year old kid how to play the game yeah bobby had three rules show up on time play hard and don't embarrass the organization that's all his rules were yep and that's... if you can't do those you shouldn't be playing anything right yeah. and and he didn't care if you were the rookie that had two days in or if you were the 10-year vet that had won two mvps everybody had the same set of rules and we all knew that yeah he and he... and and that's why that's why everyone got along. I mean, we had so such good another term that's thrown out there that people hate. Our team chemistry was through the roof. Oh yeah. And you know this. You've been around it. You, you play 162 plus the off days plus spring training. You're with the same dudes 225 days a year. All the time. Right. You more than your family. Along. More than your family. Way more than your family. Yep. And so it was just. And you know what? Part of the way I raised my kids, I took from Bobby. Like, I'm not going to treat any one of my kids any different than the other one. As far as you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do this. You know, they all had the same rules, and it worked. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. my kids, my kids hate me today, but it worked. <laughs> they all took me out of their contacts. I'm not, I'm not in their their iPhones oh, anymore. No. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. He blocked. Dad is blocked. Sorry. Totally kidding. I, I, I talk to my kids all the time. But. That's great. Hey, speaking of Bobby Cox having players' backs, um, Jeff Francoeur told me a story. I hope he doesn't yeah. mind that I share this. Um, and I might not get it totally right here, the, the details, but you'll get the gist of it. They were in a spring training game. And um, I think it was spring. Yeah, it was spring training. And... Frank Coor had an invitation to golf with Tiger Woods somewhere. And mm -hmm. and he probably at Isleworth. Isleworth in Orlando. Yeah, but he was supposed to play. So he's like, I, you know, he's a younger player. I was like, I I I'm not gonna I'm yeah, I'm turn it down because I gotta play. I'm playing tomorrow. Um so Bobby Cox somehow got wind of this. Like, why wouldn't you tell me? Of course you're gonna go golf with Tiger Woods. All right, let's do this. And he found out the day yeah. of, so he said, Let's do this. Just start 
and again, this might not be totally right, but it was something along the lines of, in, the, in your first at bat, just start arguing balls and strikes. I'll come out. <laughs> I'll come out. I'll argue, and I'll get you tossed out of the game. We'll get both get tossed out of the game, and you'll be able to go make your tea time with Tiger. And then that way, it's you not taking a day off. It's you not wanting to play. Yep. <laughs> so he, it's exactly what happened. They've got tossed out of the game. He went and golfed with Tiger Woods. That's having your yep. players back. <laughs> and you know what? Having your players back and understanding that did it perfectly, perfectly right? Like there's no reporter's <laughs> going to ask him, well, why was Frank Kerr not in the lineup? Exactly. Well, you went to play Tiger. Like, right. You to... But you know what? Frank Kerr, from that moment on, if he already wasn't, which I'm sure he was, because I know the type player is, he would have run through a brick wall for oh, Bobby Cox still for the rest would. of his life. Still, still would. would. If Bobby called him a thousand miles away and said, all four of my tires are flat, Frank Kerr would be yeah. the first guy there. Well, he'd be in line, because we'd all go down and do it. Yeah. But, but, but he realized that that one gesture, and you know what the other thing Bobby was great at? He would come over, even when I was a young player, and he'd be like, Hey, how's Julie doing? How's Madison doing? And my daughter's like one year old at the time. And I'd be like, What well, great. Thanks for asking. Like he made things personal too, where you didn't want to disappoint Bobby. He was so good to people. I another dumb story, but I gotta tell it. I came in, I was closing the game in Atlanta in the early nineties, and we have a two run lead. I can't get into the full details because I don't remember. But all I know is I ended up coming close to coughing it up. I ended up giving up a run because with, with one out or with two outs, I broke late to first. I didn't cover first base, right? So one run scored. Now we've got a 3-2 lead. And by the way, it's one of Maddox, Glaber, Smoltz, or Avery's wins. So I'm out there going, don't screw these up. But I don't cover first. So the run scores. So now it's 3-2. I end up striking the next guy out and we win the game. So we're going through the line, shaking hands and whatever. And Bobby, when I get, he's at the end and I shake his hand, he goes, Hey, come in my office when you come in. I go, okay. I'm thinking he's going to tell me I'm now the full-time closer, right? Or great job. He calls me in there, sits me across his desk and he used to have those gold rim glasses and he took them off and he just stared at me. Didn't say a word. And it felt like, six hours and 42 minutes. It was probably 10 seconds. He goes, you didn't cover first. That's not how we play baseball in Atlanta. And I said, yes, sir. I know. And he goes, all right. And he goes, Hey, by the way, great pitch on that last one. Great. Good job. Way to get the job done. And walked away. And from that moment on, I covered first on fly balls to left field. I just broke the first. I'm like, I'm never going to not, I'm never going to not, not be there. But it was just those little, he didn't do it out in front of everybody. He called me in his office, didn't yell, didn't scream. Just said, that's not how we play baseball here in Atlanta. And I go, yes, sir. That's all he had to do. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I went out there going, I'm never going to disappoint this guy again. And I know, I know it's going to happen, but I'm going to feel bad about it. And that's to me, that's, that was the secret to his success is he cared like about each individual guy and he had your back and you didn't want to be the guy that disappointed him. It's like your grandfather, right? Like you, you piss your dad off from time to time. Right. But you right. don't want to make your, you don't want to disappoint grandfather. At least I didn't. 
So he was kind of like my grandfather. Leo was my dad, and I pissed Leo off all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I could just see Leo with that nervous thing he had going on, going back and forth in the dugout. Uh, No, Leo, it wasn't even he was nervous. Leo could be watching SpongeBob on a Saturday morning. (laughs) If you had a camera, hidden camera, he'd be in there rocking, watching SpongeBob. Yeah, I probably shouldn't call it nervous. That's not the way to put it. But, yeah, I could totally see that. Ugh, and I remember one report of the best Leo story. Well, there's a million. But I remember one day Leo went out. He was in the dugout early before batting practice, and there was like 20 media around him interviewing him. And one guy goes, hey, Leo, we figured out between uh, amongst us all that you have the second easiest job. This is like in 94. You have the second easiest job in all baseball because of the staff yeah. and he goes, Oh, is that right? What's the, what's the easiest job? And they said, Cal Ripken's backup. <laughs> <laughs> and Leo got all, oh, oh, he got all defensive. It was hilarious. Oh well, yeah. You're only as good as your players when you're a coach. That's it. Uh, That's it. As far as the, you know, perception goes, but I'm sure you learned a ton off of that dude. Oh man. Hey, you know what? With Leo, he was a mechanical wizard, right? But he didn't change your mechanics. We got to the big leagues, right? We obviously were doing something right, right, to to get as high as we did. So what he did was he learned everybody's mechanics individually. He didn't try to tell me and Avery to throw the same way and glab it. Well, hey, this works for glab. Just start throwing this and doing this and lower your arm slot or rate. No, he knew what made us good individually, and he as soon as we got off track, he knew right away what we were doing that's what made him so good he didn't he made us all better but more importantly he didn't let us get worse if that makes sense yeah like he made sure and what he would tell us and which would defy a lot of stuff that's going on in the game today Merck, i don't care if you throw barry bonds 10 fastballs in a row if that's what you feel like and you're convicted in throwing then throw it and if the catcher throws down slider, you don't want to throw slider, throw your fastball. You don't ever, he always said, don't ever sacrifice what you do best just because it's what the hitter does best. Right. Sometimes you got to tip your cap. You're going to get beat. Tip your cap proverbial, proverbially. What did I just say? We get the tip gist. Your cap, <laughs> tip your cap. Yes. Tip your cap and get them next time. Yeah. And he, he made us feel like that day we were pitching, that moment we were pitching, that we were the best pitcher on the planet. No one's better than you right now. You not, you need to believe it. And, and you know what? You were forced to believe it. And yeah. you started believing it. Yeah. I love I love all these old stories. And we will talk to Kent about his days in a Reds uniform, and we'll do it right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, former Red Kent Merker. 
Who are some of your favorite teammates when you were with the Reds? Because I love oh, those man. teams. People ask me, who's your favorite teams that you covered? And they naturally think I'm going to pick some of the playoff years. And I, it's normally the two teams in the 2000s, and you struggled in the standings. But the characters you guys had, the, the personalities in the clubhouse was so fun to be around. And you know what? I, I only hesitate to answer this because I'm, I'm You're going to leave gonna, someone out. I'm going to admit some people, and yeah. and but right out of the gate, I think of Ryan Dempster. Funny guy. Uh, I think of Adam Dunn. I think of Griffey Jr. I think of Austin Kearns. Love Barry. And by the way, love these guys for a lot of different reasons, right? Like Barry Larkin, respected that guy. Loved playing with that guy. But for different reasons. Like he would tell me, I would go ask Barry, like, what should I have thrown in that count? As a hitter, you're obviously at the time he wasn't, but Hall of Famer now. Like I would talk to him about pitch sequencing and things like that. Ryan Dempster, I didn't talk pitching with him. I, I just wanted him and told him to do your Chris Farley. I live in a van down by the river skit <laughs> yeah. and do it naked on the training table and it'll be funnier. And he would do it like stuff like that. Dunner, love Dunner, young. It's always, you would always say, I hate baseball. I'm like, okay. He did all the and, time. And, and, always. Like, like you hit 40 every year driving yeah, 100. I hate like, this. Like, and he loved it. And I would always get on him about, dude, you love it deep down or you wouldn't keep coming. Right? Right. But da David Weathers, another guy. Oh, it just Stormy. Stormy. Stormy's one of the best ever. Yeah. I loved Eric Milton. Loved Paul Wilson. Like, I remember when Willie got into that fight and Farnsworth rushed him. Right. And got the bejesus beat out of him. And I was the first one there to walk him off. And he's all flat. He goes, did I get him? Did I get him? Oh, I go, oh, dude, you totally got him. He's like, sweet, sweet. And then I go, later that day, I go, dude, just don't watch the, the replay of it. Don't look at the video. Yeah, because I lied to you. But I felt like at the time, that's what you needed. Because if I said no, you may have turned around and tried to run back out there. I just, I want, it was life preservation. I point, felt Billy, bad so. for him that day. I'm like, oh, no, oh, 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 I was going on. Like, oh. Oh, 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 no, oh, no, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Dude, see, and see, I almost forgot this guy, Jim. Danny Graves. Oh, How can you great. not love Danny Graves? Yeah. yeah. One of the best dudes I've ever played with. Like, there's too many, and I know I'm going to leave someone out. Yeah. And, and I don't mean to. No, that's Rich fine. Aurelia. Love Richie Aurelia. Love that he was bitter every day he came to the field. <laughs> he wasn't he? Just bitter. Just oh my god. Totally he bitter. he always he, he always had that look like someone farted on his face. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He Where did. he's like and he you're did. like, Rich, can you smile? Four for three for four and he's he's mad about the he's one at bat. Mad about the one at bat, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I love Richie. Like there's Hatterberg, like all those guys. We just had and it's a shame, Jim we didn't win more because yeah. those are the teams that if what makes it even better is when you win together, get into the playoffs, get into the late in the postseason. Right. Like th those are the teams. If we could have done that, I mean, it would have even been that much better. Oh uh -huh. yeah. No, the, I loved those teams. I loved being around those guys. And for what I do, th those guys were gold. I mean, right. Junior and Don, just the, the personalities of those two graves. I mean, you know, I did store yeah. so just so many things that are Gabe White. I forgot Gabe White. Gabe White. Gabe White in there. Yeah, See, I know Gabe I'm White. gonna. 
Well, good good news is no one listens to your podcast, so no <laughs> one's going <laughs> to. I'm kidding, by the way. Word but, travels. But I'm kidding. But, like, <laughs> see, if I would have re- forgotten Gabe, then he'd be like, dude, really? Like, I don't want to forget somebody. Yeah. No, I but, get it. But I do. And, and, and we'll hang up when this is over, and I'll think of seven more guys, and I'll be like, dang it. <laughs> well, we'll have you back. You're I gr- remember Dempster, by the way, because I played on nine teams. So he did the math, and I played with him again in Chicago in 2004, right? Yeah. And I remember we were all sitting around one day. He goes, Merck, i got to be honest with you. And I'm like, what's up? He goes, you're one of the my top 225 teammates I've ever played with in and I was just like, okay, thanks, Dan. I appreciate that. <laughs> He's a appreciate funny it. dude. Were you on the no. team with Harnish? No. Oh, I, yeah. I, was ap- I was after Pete. And I, but yeah. I played with Pete. Oh, you know what? I take it back. The only reason I think of it, because you were talking about uh, Dempster naked on the training table, because Harnish yes. would always do naked stuff. I was on the, I, I was on the, <laughs> I was on the same team as Harnish. Or it was at least one spring training, and I don't yeah. know if he made the club. Oh, well, I can't tell you what Harnish did every spring, which was awesome. And with the wax in the training room, it, 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 was, it, was, for, it was for therapeutical things. Like, like if you broke a bone or whatever, you would put it in hot wax. Yeah. What, what he would make what he called the soup bowl <laughs> with this wax. And I won't tell you what he used for the mold. For the yeah. mold, but you yeah. can go ahead and we can, we can. use your imagination. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, we got the soup bowl." Oh yeah. You, you, no, you know what it was, Jim. I played with Pete back in '97 with the Reds. Wow. I, I, yeah, I think when I first stint with the Reds, I think that's when Harnish was with the Reds, <laughs> and then he continued on, and I yeah. I was gone in '98. But yeah, the soup bowl. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, dude, that's so classic. Well, Sean Casey's told a few oh, harness stories dude, on here. I just forgot. It. There's Sean Casey, man. How can I not mention Sean Casey? He's yeah. one of my favorite dudes I've played with him <laughs> since. Yeah, he was on here telling some harness stories. It was good. Dude, that guy was the best. The mayor is the oh, best. He's still the best. So uh, it's yeah. like people are like, is he really? Is this an act? Is he really like that? Like, yeah, no, he's like that 24 7. That's him. That's... Jim, we were in Atlanta on, a, on I don't know what year it was, but we were with the Reds, and we went back up to his suite. And I remember he had bought these brand new all white tennis shoes, and <laughs> and and he thought he was he he just thought they looked good, and they looked like they just it didn't fit Sean Casey. Imagine Sean Casey wearing jeans right now with all white, brand new, like just out of the box tennis shoes. <laughs> Like he looked like it, it looked like he had clown feet, right? But he loved him. So we were all uh, up in his suite, and I they're legit. They're he, legit, bro. Yeah, they're legit, bro. You gotta get some, bro. Yes. And so I found, I found, I don't know why there was a lighter up there, but somebody had a lighter, and Casey was over there in one area of his suite, and I remember finding his tennis shoes, and I lit them on fire, <laughs> and had the, it was it was safe. It, the, I did it away from so the fire alarm didn't go off or anything, but I lit them on fire. And I remember holding them up, and I walked in, and the look on his face, because everyone's like, something's, something's burning or whatever. And Casey's like, everything all right? I go, yeah, everything's okay, and I'm holding his tennis shoe up. And he's like, what is that? What's up? And you, the look when he realized it was his brand-new all-white tennis shoe, I thought he was going to cry, 
Then I thought he was going to kill me. And then he just started laughing. He said it was typical Casey. And he's like, I go, you got to light these on fire, brother. They're too white. You know, and I'm just adding some color to them, man. And then I just threw them in the trash can and he never wore them again. Oh, that or is never. great. That is great. How could I forget Sean Casey? Well, you know, we're we're getting up there in age. I, I forget. Dude, I love I love Bronson. I love Bronson. Oh, I love yeah, I, I love can... Eric Milton. Like yeah. I love Ryan Friel. Like all those guys were just good dudes. Yeah. I, I seriously I love those teams. I just love the guys on the teams. They didn't have great success, but <laughs> they were just so fun to be around. Dude, um, am I boring you with stories? No, I got a are you Kidding me? No. These. This is what this podcast is all about. I, the stories are the best. Please. So I'm sitting. I'm sitting up in the players' lounge. Remember where the big TV was, and it was closed doors, so the media couldn't get in there. But that's yeah. where they had the PlayStation, all that set up. Yeah, where you guys used to hide, hide from us. <laughs> I didn't. I know. You didn't. I was always available. Just no one ever wanted to talk to me, so I just. But we're sitting. I'm sitting in there. I was on the DL again, and. I'm sitting in there and uh, Milton was charting. Eric Milton was doing the chart. And it was a Sunday day game, 98 degrees, just hotter than heck. Well, we're sitting in there and I'm, the mascot's Dinger, right? Or is it Slider? For the Reds? For the Reds. Uh, yeah. Gapper? Slider. No, it's oh, not. Is it Gapper? Gapper. One of, there's four of them Gapper, Mr. Red Legs, Mr. Reds, and Rosie Red. All right, so it was Gapper. So me and Milton are sitting in the players' lounge, just me and him. He's charting the game, and I'm on the DL, so I'm just up there hanging out with him. And all of a sudden, Gapper literally walks into the players' lounge and sits down on the sofa next to us. And I'm looking at Milton going, what? So he sits there. He's shaking his head, whatever. All of a sudden, he pulls the head off. It was Dempster. <laughs> And he goes, he, he goes, this effing costume is the hottest thing I've ever been in my life. So what had happened is four of his Canadian buddies had come in from Canada to come to the game, like the whole series. And he pitched, I think, Friday. So he goes, Merck, because we're like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, dude, I've been messing with my boys the entire game. Like he found out where they were sitting when he'd go over. And they would order beers, and he'd go over and just smack the beer out of their hands. And it would spill all over the court. <laughs> and they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, He's like, they wanted to fight Gapper. But he did it. He did it. Like, and he said it got so hot, he had to come into the players' lounge to cool off. <laughs> and if you know Demp like you do, it's way funnier, right? Yes. He's like, man, this effing costume's <laughs> the hottest thing I've ever been in. <laughs> and I'm just like... Gapper just comes in and sits down. We're like, I look at Milton. He looks at me and it's, it's dumb. <laughs> Someone else. I think Larkin brought that up to me. Um, yeah. Because he's he's calling games now with us. And I think he, because Dempster was in town with the Cubs. He's doing Cubs games. And he brought up the, the Gapper thing. And I never yep. knew that it happened at the time, which is terrible that I didn't know that it happened at the time. Because we would have oh. obviously shot video of it if we knew, uh, knew that he was in, if he was Gapper well, he that didn't day. Tell me, I, 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 he probably only told Gapper, like the real Gapper, like, hey, dude, I'll give you a hundred bucks. <laughs> just let me borrow your costume for an hour. But he said the guys would go up and they're just getting ready to take a drink, like raising it up. 
and he would come behind him and smack it out of <laughs> Can you imagine that? not knowing yeah. the, the team's mascot comes up and does that? Yeah, and you can't fight the team mascot. No. And, you know, they're going, what's up, eh? What's up, eh? And Gapper and, and doesn't just, talk, so he just. No. Yeah, that's the best Dempster story. And oh. I'm so glad he told it because. Larkin has brought that up a few times, and I'm like, no, I never knew about that. Gosh, I wish I would have known yep. about that. That would have been TV gold. I mean, it would be a YouTube sensation right now if oh, we knew it, Dempster was awesome. in the costume. Oh, my yep. gosh. And smacking beers cool. out of his buddy's hands. <laughs> that would have been the greatest video of all time. Of eight, all eight time. Dollar beers it would be like what you go. would see on a, you know, a late night show. <laughs> One of those skits where they put some, put someone up to it. Oh, man. Hey, I don't know if you remember this. I remember these weird little things. We were in, we're at Wrigley Field, and the pitcher who will go nameless, it was a rookie pitcher who had never been there, and they fly the flags on the foul poles of the retired guys. Retired. I was sitting right next. I was sitting right next to him. He asked me. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, you, you got it, it was, spot on. Someone Williams may have been pitching for the Cubs, I think, yep. or and uh, a, a guy named Williams, and you know, Williams Jerome, is one of the Jerome Williams, or, yeah, someone like that. So yep. they they fly up there, the the re retired numbers guys, Williams, Banks, Santo, are up there, et cetera. And they're he's, Hall of Fame guys. Yeah, they're Hall of Fame guys. That's what I yep. should say. And Bernie Banks, pitcher was like, man, it's it's pretty cool. That they fly the name of the starting pitcher up there on the flat foul pole or something like uh -oh. that, right? And you turned yep. it and said, "Yeah." And Banks is going tomorrow and Santo on Sunday. That's exactly what I said to him. <laughs> yep. And look, that's tomorrow's pitcher. Banks is pitching tomorrow. Santos, and then Sandberg's pitching the 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 <laughs> getaway day. I. I, I JD, I literally thought he was like kidding. Yeah, Man, he was dead cool serious. For, that'd be cool to pitch for the Cubs. Why's that? Well, dude, look the day you pitch, they throw your the flag up there to show that you're pitching. I'm like, uh huh. Yeah. And then I I think I went on further and said, actually, it's Billy D. Williams. They <laughs> the pitcher gets to pick his favorite actor, and they put that up there. And to this day, he probably. Still doesn't know what I'm talking about. No. No. <laughs> Poor Jason. I won't say his last name, but okay. what a great guy he was, though. He was fantastic yeah. guy. Yep. But stuff like that happened all the time. Oh man, I'm, and he didn't I'm crying know who Billy here. Williams was, but he didn't know who Billy. Because we told him, like, dude, honestly, it's Billy Williams, Hall of Fame outfielder for the Cubs. He's like, what? Never heard of him. And then he's like, Billy D. Williams. I'm Billy like, yeah, D. Billy D. Williams. Williams. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's who it is. They put, you know what, you get to pick your walk-up song and your favorite actor, and they put it up on the flagpole. Mine always, mine always said, mine said Pitt. I like Brad Pitt, so I put Brad Pitt up there. <laughs> he, he, he never got it. He never, he just, oh. to this day, I guarantee you, he's like, man, I wish I'd have got to play for the Cubs. <laughs> See standards up there. <laughs> just the there name. we go we just gave the name away that's all right jason call me god love you jason but that was a funny moment <laughs> it's not gonna reveal uh, the name i'm glad you remember that because i i remember these uh, 
what are obscure things to other people. But yeah. funny to me that I remember. So Well, and the look on everyone's face, I'm just like, <laughs> again, I gave that look like, did someone fart look? Like, what? <laughs> What are you talking about right now? Are you serious? He's like, yeah, look up there. Look up there. I'm like, oh. and it was his first time ever at Wrigley. Right. You know, so he didn't know. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. Well, man, this is the, Still, it, go ahead. It's not as good as the Gapper story, though. That's no, the best. That is the greatest of all time. Uh, I got to get Dempster on here, by the way. Oh, you got to. By the way, I got Dinger and Gap. He, he was Dinger when I was pitching. Oh, okay. Because I gave up Dingers. <laughs> I got you. That's why you thought it was Dinger. Okay. Dude, you know, by the way, I had yeah. the record at two stadiums, Major League Stadiums. And, and uh, Seg, Seg called me out on this on Facebook once. So at, <laughs> at, 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 there's, there's two big smokestacks. Like, I was trying to get Ryan Howard to win that that pickup truck obviously one day yeah because i gave up a home run to ryan howard and i'm like oh my god and it was at the time the longest home run ever given up at great american ball airport and <laughs> great american airport. <laughs> and then like three years ago or something somebody beat it or four years ago and seg like sent me a text congrats you've moved to number two on the list and, and we talked about it and then i and, and joe robbie I don't know how many names that stadium went through in Miami. Yeah. But I, at one point, Jeff Conine had hit the longest home run in that stadium's history off me. And then Andres Galarraga, Galarraga beat it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of pissed all my records are being beat. I need to, I need to, I need to come out of retirement and get that stuff back. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could easily get that, get the record back now. You, yeah. Tossing up 78 miles an hour with no movement. <laughs> you could. I could do it. <laughs> we gotta look into that. Although I think your your uh, the no hitter that you threw was the last one in Braves history, right? They haven't done it since. Yeah. See, there you go. Not, your yeah. record that record stands. Yep, that's a good point. <laughs> World Series champion. They can't take that away from you. Nope, they've won since though. Yes, they have. Have won since. Recent- no. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, by the way, you know, so Eric, Brian Snicker. Yeah. He was my A-ball coach in 1987. Wow. With the with the Durham Bulls. Think about that. Wow. You play with the Bulls. Yep. I, I want you to hit the mascot. Yep. Oh, wow. We're getting up there. So anyway. We're getting up there. Oh, my gosh. about things like that. <laughs> Dude, that's why I play pickleball, because I'm the youngest guy on the court every time we play. <laughs> the pickleball. He's now – I just can't believe you gave up your golf clubs for pickleball. But, hey, I love it. Competitive. It sounds like you're doing great. You're in the agent business. You're close to the game. Your fam's doing well. It's great to hear, man. It's great to hear these stories. And if you, if we get done with this and you think of other favorite players or other stories, would you please come back on this podcast because you were gold. Dude, absolutely. Absolutely, okay. man. All I right. enjoy doing this. And it's, it's uh, like I said, the eight people that hear it, I think they'll enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is one of the better, <laughs> one of the better ones. So I appreciate it. You be hey, thinking. When will, when, when will it air, by the way? I'm dropping this right away. Like okay. right away, like as Did we you record send me a this. Link it, to it or? Oh yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you a link. Okay, it's world famous, by the way. It'll, it'll get to you. 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I will send you. Which is why I'm surprised you had me on because I'm not going to help ratings. Oh, you know you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are. Especially when the word gets around that he's going to tell the Gapper story with Dempster. Hey, by Uh, the way, is Peck is Peck still drinking uh, drinks with cherries in them? (laughs) (laughs) Remember that night in Philly? Yes. Uh huh. (laughs) I remember ordering. Hey, what do you guys want? I'm buying. Yeah. Hey, can I get a something with it and have them put a cherry in there? And I went, I'm not buying that. Nope. I refuse to buy a man a drink that has a cherry in it. I'm not doing that. And I did remember. And then he went and got his own cherry. I'm like, oh, I'm not yeah. doing it. It's a brandy old fashioned or whatever he called it. I'm like, no, it's probably can't say what I told him then. Yeah, everyone else is going neat on the rocks. and he... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, round of tequila. I don't want tequila. I need something to put a cherry in it. Okay. Amaretto sour. Amaretto yes, sour with the cherry. It was an amaretto sour with a cherry. And I'm like, dude, like, are you my wife with, with the Gapper costume on right now? Like, what's going on? <laughs> it was an amaretto oh, sour. Oh, those are the days. Uh, uh, I appreciate you taking me down memory lane. This has been uh, probably more enjoyable for me than you. I appreciate Dude, it. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to give you a suggestion. All right, please do. And not because I know, but you talked about getting Demp on and some other guys. Yeah. You should, you should do one, and maybe you have, where you get multiple guys on the same podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, ha- I have done that, and those are, those are the oh. best. Especially- and, and if... And if I don't know if it's got to be G-rated, but you could get some great content <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. where guys telling the stories and actually what was said. And, and again, yeah. nothing that was <laughs> n- nothing that was insensitive to any anybody yeah. except just funny. Right, right. No, the, yeah. the, the group ones are the best. They're the hardest to do to get guys. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, dude, Jim would do this in a heartbeat. Do you have do you have his contact info? I do not have his contact info. Here, I'm gonna, of... I'm gonna read it out to you out loud on the podcast <laughs> no, right please now. Don't do that. No, I'm kidding. But I'll I'll <laughs> please I'll send, send it to you, me. I'll send yeah. you Demp's contact info. All because, right, and let me know when he's on because I want to hear that one. That that would be epic. <laughs> I will definitely do that because we uh, yeah I'll, I'll see him again. So yes, please do. I I would love that. You got it. All right. And I'm going to have thanks, you back. Man. No, thank you. Think of some other stories. I know you've probably got a million of them. So when you come back, you have some fresh, fresh stories. You got it. All right. You that got is it. Kent Merker, everyone. What a jewel. What a gym. And a walk down memory lane here in the Gym Day podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. And we will see you next time. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.